Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to another episode of Standing on the North Bank podcast from Wales Online. My name is Matt Davis and today, as ever, I'm joined by Swansea City writer Andrew Gwillen and Chief Football Writer Chris Wadden. Um, afternoon, chaps. Good afternoon, Matty. Good afternoon. Okay, um, well, let's head straight to, to the Emirates and the performance there. Another defeat, but fair to say that it was an improved show, Gwill, in, especially in that first half? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I thought first half, you know, just not far off being a textbook away performance, really. You know, Swansea defended well. You're well organised, you know, as we as we previously seen under Paul Clement, but they had far more purpose um, and a bit more assertiveness about them going forward. You know, they come to the attack well. Uh, Sam Lucas took his goal well, and you know they they had a, another couple of opportunities, including that very you know that big chance that Jordan AU uh, probably could have done a little bit better with before half time. Uh, and just a pity that really you know Arsenal came up the blocks in the second half. Uh, and having conceded one, I thought it was about a 15-20 minute, minute spell there where Swansea were a bit overrun and maybe it just looked a little bit shell-shocked just for that little period. You know, they finished finished quite well, but you know the damage had been done then, which is a pity because, um, you know, like I said, I thought that first half far more positive, you know, looked like a team playing to a game plan and players confident in it. Um, and obviously a different challenge coming up this weekend against Brighton, but... Uh, you know, at least uh, at least something to build on for for Paul Clement. Yeah, in, in isolation, you know, forget everything else about this season. You know, no one would have walked away, you know, too disheartened about that display. Um, you know, compare it to recent Swansea performances there, and it is as good, or if not better, in some of the showings. Um, you know, I thought they they yeah they played five at the back but with Klukas it was more of a wing back style you know Kyle Norton couldn't match him on the other side and it was a weakness that Arsenal continuously looked to exploit and, and got their um, got their rewards from doing it they made Arsenal play well basically and when Arsenal play well there's not many sides that can, can better them uh, it was frustrating that they couldn't find a way back in in the second half uh, with the, the, the time frame of the goals didn't exactly help that because been there before where a bit of anxiety uh, leads to anger at the Emirates and, and it has an impact on the side. Um, you know, perhaps if either Sam Klukas had made any connection with that chance just after the equaliser or Abraham had just held his run a little bit, you might have seen that. Of course, in the context, people will look at it and say it's never defeat. It's another performance where, you know, defensively Swansea looked, you know, sound enough, but attacking wise still didn't fill you with uh, confidence of, of going forward and ultimately the position they've got themselves in now is almost hand to mouth where uh, going to Arsenal can't really set up to be expansive otherwise you run the risk of getting overrun and getting a bit of a tonking and all of a sudden you've got a, 
change from a defensive or, or counter-attacking mentality to something completely different at home when you're playing Brighton and the pressure's on and the onus is on to break someone down. And it feels this is the way it's going at the moment, is that because they're unable to find their way of playing, their new identity, their new way of, of um, adapting without citizen, um they, 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 they're having to go from one week to the next and adapting to different circumstances and different opponents and um, and it becomes increasingly difficult then to find your way uh, and I think as much as you know you definitely took heart in some of the sort of reaction I think uh, on social media what have you after the Arsenal defeat was over the top um, ultimately they're no further forward in finding themselves and that is why Saturday is such I think um, apart, it's very easy to say this. In apart from the results, but did did Clement set this team up right? You know, as Quill said, you you originally said, classic away team performance worked so well in that first half. Tactics were right. Do you think his approach was correct? Yeah, um, yeah I, I I I couldn't really see why people would disagree with that. I mean, I think, you know, I was looking back at the games they played against Arsenal where they'd won at the Emirates before, you know, 2015 and 2016. And the the, the stats and everything were very, very similar. Obviously, the outcome of the game is different, but, you know, Swansea have played that way at the Emirates before and, and come up trumps. And, like I say, the first half performance was very good. I mean, I, I think, as Chris touched on there, I think, the issue isn't so much what Swansea do in games like Saturday. You know, I think Clement has them well drilled, well organised, and they've proved already this season that they're they're a, they're a pretty pretty competitive side on the road, and the, they, you know they don't they don't roll over. But the bigger problem is obviously you know the home form has been poor, but when you're just going from week to week because you're fighting fires and you know you know you're going to get points on the board. Trying to actually settle down into any consistent style of play or any consistent sort of formation is very difficult. You know, you put in the fact that a lot of the players in that squad have been pretty inconsistent this season as well, and you know it becomes, as we said before, I think it still becomes difficult for Clement to know what his best, his best formation and his best lineup is. And while Saturday was an improvement on the day, it's hard to know how many answers that would have given him going into Brighton this weekend because the the, the task in front of them and, and what's expected of them will be very, very different. There was a few moments in the game where it sort of summed up where Swansea are and the difficulties they're facing, um, one of which was making a change in the second half. Now, they finally, with about 82 minutes, brought on winners and changed systems a little bit try to ask some final questions of Arsenal um, now perhaps Clement could have done that earlier perhaps they, they could have realised right we're out of this game we're not really creating anything more now Arsenal are comfortable let's ask them a few questions um, and try and you know, snatch a draw or even something more if Arsenal collapse which you know, they have done however you, know, you can't say that in the back of Clement's mind wasn't United game, for example, when they changed, tried to get back in the game, and all of a sudden, a fairly 
say there that you're only ever two games away from uh, a crisis I think such is the topsy-turvy nature of the Premier League that you're you're only really two wins away then from the lofty heights of mid of mid table aren't you you know you look at you know Leicester have, uh, have done that and in in recent weeks I mean I suppose that's that's where 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 we are where Swansea find themselves um, in the in the, in the build-up to this, there was obviously a lot of talk about, um, uh, you know, after Martin Olsen's injury against Manchester United, that uh, he was the only fit and well, only available left left back in in the squad. Sam Klukas then comes in at the Emirates. His Olsen's absence wasn't that keenly felt, really, was it? Considering, especially in that that first half, Klukas played well. Yeah. He did. I thought he. I thought he played pretty well throughout the game. To be honest, you know, I'm sure, you know, like when you when a club paid fifteen million pound for you and you're a midfielder, I'm sure you know he would far rather be playing there than having to fill in at left wing back because you know injuries elsewhere have given him the chance. But you know, I thought he did all that you could reasonably ask of him in the in the circumstance. You know, I think he made a real effort to get forward particularly in that first half, you know, give Swansea another body high up the field when they were able to counter-attack. And, you know, on the side from his goal, there were a couple of good crosses into the box, a um, couple of, you know, good clever passes. Um, and, he, you know, he did his he did his job defensively. I mean, it was really interesting post-game to hear Arsene Wenger say that he'd effectively had to tell his side at half-time to target Kyle Norton's flank. Because Bellerin was getting so little change out of 
or a Kluka. So, you know, okay, he's played there before, but it was essentially a, a standing or a makeshift. makeshift and I think it, yeah. I think that tells you, you know, maybe that tells you more about Kyle, Kyle Norton than it does about uh, Sam Klukas. I don't know. But I thought, I thought he acquitted himself really well. And for someone who's not at the start, he would have wanted at Swansea. You know, hopefully he would have given supporters there just a glimpse of that bit of energy and that bit of quality he does he does possess. He, he, took, yeah. he, took, he took his goal well as well, Wales, do you think? Yeah, he did. It was, it was lovely. I said there were a couple of crosses that he fished across the box and it does make you think, you know, it is an option because I don't think Austin's played well at all mm. at the start of the season. Um, certainly not compared to a form he showed at the end of last year. I think full-backs have always been important in Swansea's style. Um, and I think what we saw at Kluger's is that dynamism that he has got. And it's been frustrating that he hasn't shown that at Swansea so far. He can add something to the attacking third of the pitch. Um, you know, he made his deal with Crystal Palace and he's actually involved high up the pitch to, to bring about the goal. Um, and yet we've, we've seen him almost restrained when he's played in the centre of the park. And it's been frustrating he's a better player than he's shown and um, he's, he's, I'm not surprised he might have lost, lost a bit of confidence because he's sort of been tagged in um, as an example a perceived example of, of Swansea's failings in this summer's transfer window um, it, you know whether he continues in that role I don't know but you know, he still has uh, a few defensive things to learn and sort of getting his um, his positioning just right and other teams were set up differently to Arsenal because they, they played the, the three themselves we'll ask different questions but actually written a piece um, today on you know is there a thought that Swansea could find someone to play in a right wing back row because um, you know Rangel's best days are behind him I think everyone will you know, agree with that as you know that's no disrespect to him Kyle Norton has been very poor um you know, I, I'm surprised again that that side hasn't been addressed by Swansea. I wonder whether Clement's, Clement's thinking was coloured by a half-decent finish to the season by Norton. Uh, whereas, to, you know, to his, to his credit, he played well, scored that goal at Sunderland. And you look at across other sides in the Premier League, and, you know, a, a lot of teams are playing with three centre-backs at one stage here. I think I counted uh, at least 12 teams that have played there. It doesn't have to be a negative system as it's been seen at Swansea. Um, but when you it, you have to have either wing backs that are really gonna push on or bomb on and, and you know or full backs who will do it as Tottenham do in much miss Ben Davis uh, and Keenan Trippier um obviously at Chelsea with it or you do it in the style of, of Guardiola where you bring a midfielder and you can actually join in the midfield play as Klukas did quite a bit mm. on Saturday but you know even with the gluttony of Swans and midfielders look around and wonder if they have got that option to do it and you sort of come full circle to those you know the, the, the imbalance of the squad to use Paul Clements right? and the sort of narrowing of options there are because Swansea can't find that way of playing. I mean, a lot of players are signed with the idea that Clement's going to play in a 4-4-2 diamond and that hasn't worked or that seems to have been given up on. But, you know, going back to the original point, if Swansea 
word is set up with three central defenders, it doesn't have to be negative. You know, Chelsea weren't negative last year when they used it. Man City certainly aren't negative when they play it. No one can be attacking formation. You know, we've seen many others do it, albeit you know with the, the small mitigating factor of having Gareth Bale in attackers. Even a song about it, for goodness sake. But it does roll back. Is that right? Clinkers could do it, perhaps one side, but you know, is there anyone other than? Carl Noanga Rangel can do it on the other side. No one hasn't been good enough defensively or uh, when given width and attack. So um, it would be interesting to see what Clement's thoughts are going into this game against Clinton. Yeah, well, you talk, you talk about the, the imbalance, so that was going to be my, my next question. Um, to have only one left back in, in the squad and, as you say, glutted midfield, eight, eight midfielders on, on, the, on the roster, I mean... I don't get how it's madness really to have just a just a one fullback on the, who can operate on the on the left hand side. How has this ha- how how has this panned out? How has how has that happened? Well, I think clearly the the, the thought is that Norton can cover both sides. Um, let's not pretend that Stephen Kingsley is going to change the world if he came in. Uh, I don't think Clement really Kingsley that highly. I think he would have had Taylor ahead of him. I I wasn't convinced by him after a very good start um, and you know clearly they thought they, they were happy to, to move him on however they're not sort of addressing it at least putting an extra full back body on whether that's right or left does look short sighted now in the extreme um, these things only get pointed out when injuries occur and, and while left with that situation they won't be the first club to have done it and they won't be the last you know, the, the squad sizes mean you have to be, you know, let, leave yourself a little exposed in some positions. Um, and injuries then can really hammer that. I mean, you know, look at a striker situation with bone injured and the options are very limited, you know. Um, someone pointed out to me the other day that what's going to happen if Boney's not fit when Swansea go to Chelsea when Tam and Abraham can't play? Uh, you know, they'll have to go into the game uh, with Ollie McBurney leading the line. Um, that's nothing against Ollie McBurney, but you're asking a kid out of the academy to go to the home of the champions. It, it does happen, and with, but when injuries happen and you've left yourself taking a little bit of a gamble, then you need to look rather foolish. A, a player that's, that's impressed since he's come back from, from injury, um, uh, Ki Sung Young, um, out of contracts next summer. Do his performances um, merit a someone to, to perhaps address that? Um, well, it, it needs addressing because you know you wait a couple more months, we'll be into January, and and he will be allowed to speak to any potential suitors out there. So if Swansea want to keep him, um, they might be best advised to act reasonably quickly on that front. You know whether you know whether he's done enough to earn another contract already probably a bit too early to say you know he's what is it he's in four games I think mm. two substitute appearances and two starts but he has looked good since he's come back you know he's, he's looked hungry um, he's given a little bit of drive in that midfield area you know someone who's quite happy to move forward with the ball rather than just ship it on um, he has been good since he's come back you know I mean I suppose ultimately it's not just up to the club it's up to him he, you know by the end of the season he'll have been on Swansea's books for six years, you know, will he, will he fancy a, another couple of years at the Liberty, or will he want a new challenge? But I mean, so far, so good in terms of 
performances after coming back from injury and but like I say it's it's not something they can wait around, if they do want to keep him it is not something they can wait around too long on because um, come January you can talk to whoever you'd like to It's difficult isn't it because you know we've seen supporters question why deals are handed out long term deals are handed out to players that are perceived as fringe players and you know there are those that believe Key isn't you know, a first choice starter. So on the one hand, there's complaints that contracts being given out. On the other hand, there's complaints um, if a player is uh, allowed to enter the final year of his contract. You know, like injury issues as well, consistency issues. All that aside, I, I like he's a player on his game uh, when he's in the mood, and he appears to be in the mood right now. And I think Jimmy T seems to have taken up the responsibility of a senior man one of the few players to sort of front up in recent defeats um, which you know in, in terms of speaking the media which may not mean a lot to some people but I often think that it it shows um, the character of someone willing to sort of you know speak to the fans via the press and um, and face what can be tough questions now people may not like what they say but that's by the by uh, key is some of those and, you know he seems to have a a rocket up his backside, you know, whether that's just because, um, you know, the sort of situation's dawned on him that he's, he, he needs to perform or whether that contract's in the back of his mind. But, you know, we, we've mentioned before that Clement is clearly a fan. Clement clearly thinks he can add something aside the way he was talking about him when he uh, talked about him missing the start of the season in the same breath as, breath as um, Juventus and Sigurdsson. I, I think he adds something different. I think he can really boost this side, especially when he gets to the full match fitness, you know, he's only a couple of games back in. Um, but, you know, you have, to, you have to earn it, you know, he could, he could go right off the boil in a couple of weeks. And um, I don't think, to be perfectly honest, I don't think contract situations are the, should be on anyone's uh, forefront of their mind at the liberty at the moment. I think there's more pressing situations be it on the field or, or off the field preparation for January. I think the other thing to remember there is we you know we touched on this when we talked about squad imbalance, but there's if there's eight central midfielders and you know, okay Sanchez is on loan, um, you know, most of them are under contract beyond the end of the season. I mean, are you gonna keep are you gonna keep handing those deals out if you feel you've already got too many in that position? So, you know, there's probably a, an, an accounting of you know, how many of those are going to be genuine options mm. moving forward, maybe before they can make any decision on whether Key stays or not. You know, that just sort of, uh, that just sort of complicates that area a little bit. Really? Yeah, and it's like, you know, the things that get lost in the sort of, you know, angry narrative around squad building or, or you know, transfer work, you know, is that you can't keep on having a squad full of players on decent contracts because it complete you know people think about the money in the Premier League yeah it's out there but it's the, it's the squad wages that will take up a huge chunk of that and restrict what you can do and that's without factoring in financial fair play which um, is a factor you know I know it doesn't get talked a lot about but it is a factor um, you know that's why a lot of players were moved on in the summer because they were taking up hefty wages and weren't bringing anything to the squad now, of course, when you, like Montero, for example, when you then switched to Winners, realised you haven't got nothing left because you didn't think you were going to play that way, 
then it's questioned why Montero isn't there. But it's difficult. It's a balancing act that Swansea are falling the wrong side of at the moment. But it's always easy to easy to criticise in hindsight. I think it was important that the club started moving players on and, and trying their best to correct past mistakes. Um, you know, the long-term contracts of others, you've no idea if they're taking a pay cut. You know, has Wayne Routledge uh, decided to opted to take a pay cut last year or, you know, no pay rise or what have you because it offered long-term security. These are a lot of things that are behind closed doors that, you know, as try as we might, we can't get answers for. But, you know, those things have to be taken into consideration when you're talking about what happens during squad rebuilding or shaping or what have you. And, um, you know, it comes back to, back, back to the question of a key. You know, what is he asking for wages? He could be asking for ridiculous money. That his position in the side doesn't warrant at the moment. So I think it's it's too early to be um, to be worrying about his contract situation. I think that will um, I think that will resolve itself. If he performs well, you know, I imagine a contract uh, talks will be um, concluded and um, and he'll be staying. But if he doesn't, if he picks up more niggles, then they might wait until the end of the season. Another player, along with along with Key, who um, impressed at uh, at the Emirates was was Tammy Abraham. I mean, there's this talk this week of him perhaps maybe being named in Gareth Southgate's England England squad. He he just seems to be getting better with every every game for Swansea, doesn't he? Yeah, he was uh, he was very good again at the Emirates on the weekend. You know, I think you know we know he's a you know he's a reporter's instinct when it comes to his finishing, but. He showed that there's more to his game than that. That you know, the pass, the assist for Klukas's goal. You know, there are there are attacking midfielders in the Premier League who would have happily put their name, you know, to a pass of that quality and that sort of perfect weight. You know, it made it was such a good pass. It made Klukas's mind up for him. You know, it just put him in a situation where he had, he had to shoot and he had to score. Um, other than that, you know, his pacing behind and playing and with Swansea playing on the counter attack. You know, Murtasak and Koscielny were nervous about him all afternoon, really worried about it, his speed and, and his physicality as well. You know, he's become more attuned, I think, to the to the physical edge of the Premier League. That looks to be improving week on week. You know, and he's you've just got to think he's only going to get better the more he plays and the longer the season goes on. Um, you know, he looks he looks up to the task of playing in the Premier League as far as you know, as far as I can see, and you know, Paul Clement clearly thinks he's he's making strides. So, you know, he looks, um, you know, he looks the pick of the pick of uh, Swansea's acquisitions in the summer, certainly at the moment. And yeah. you know, whether it's too soon for senior England honours, you know, I, I don't know. There's there's a World Cup next year, and Gareth Southgate might think it's a chance to have a look at some alternatives. But you know, there's there's no question that you know he is he is playing well, and you can see as the weeks go by. You can visibly see that improvement in his all-round game. He's doing really well. He's, he's playing well. I couldn't, I couldn't give a damn if he plays for England or not. To be honest, or chooses Nigeria or Timbuktu. All that matters is that he's playing well for Swansea. The rest will take care of itself. And you know, you have to bear in mind with very often these questions about his chances for England or like Gareth Southgate's at the Emirates on Saturday tend to come about because uh, Swansea are playing in London with a sort of uh, London uh, national media who you know, quite rightly have English loyalties and that question on their mind um, but yeah he's not Welsh so my, my loyalties aren't there 
all that matters is that he continues the form he's been shown for Swansea. Um, and he's improving with every outcome. I think what I like about him is that uh, he's taking a real responsibility despite being on loan where it could be easy just to you know, well, this isn't my club, I'll just get on with it. Um, clearly matters to him, the effort he puts in shows that. Uh, which, you know, for whatever else he wants to achieve in his career, be it internationally or with Chelsea, that will stand him in good stead. Um, I thought Swansea played to his strengths on Saturday. As Andrew said, the fact that he was able to sort of drop off and pick up passes as he did he, um, was really impressive. Um, he really is a hope to cling to. Um, people have mentioned quite rightly the stat that he's involved in um, the vast majority of Swansea goals this season. Uh, someone at the Emirates and the Juniors at the Emirates saying, oh, you know, like, isn't that a worry, you know, um, that he's on loan and papers over the tracks? Well, he's there for the rest of the season. It doesn't, it doesn't matter for now. And certainly in the situation Swansea are getting themselves in is that, you know, for all intents and purposes, he is a Swansea player until May, June, next summer. So make the most of him, utilise him, get the best out of him. And I think that is slowly happening not as fast as anyone would like but um, I wouldn't say build a team around him but you know getting he making the most of his his, his strengths um, will do Swansea the world of good I like, I like watching him play I think he's he's shown a, a fair bit of uh, leadership qualities himself he's, he's, he's quite elegant on the ball and you can just tell that he's going to have a, a a solid, a solid career, whether that be at Chelsea or not. We'll, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But um, uh, moving on a little bit, um, Will, you you wrote a piece yesterday on this. There's been a few a few accusations that perhaps Swansea aren't but the best to watch at the moment. Uh, uh, putting it putting it mildly, uh, some of the reaction on social media, but. Um, your piece was was was, was reasoned. I, I I really enjoyed it. Um, what, what do you make of that accusation, though, that that they are boring, so-called boring? Um, and does it does it ring true with with, with you? you? You obviously you uh, watch them week in week out. I think I think it depends a lot on what you were judging them against. I think if you are judging this Swansea side against Michael Laudrup's Swansea side from 2012-13. There's no, you know, there's no comparison. The football, the football is completely different, and Swansea haven't played in that fashion. You could argue since maybe the season under Gary Monk, where they finished eighth. So I think if you, if you're judging Swansea against that aesthetic style now, then there is no comparison. But you know, if you if you're saying that compared to second half of last season, then I, I don't see a huge deal of difference. I think Swansea are, as an awful lot of sides in the Premier League now are, are a functional, functional football side. Um, you know, I think Paul Clement, it's it's you know, it's not doing him, it's not been critical of him to say that he's he is a pragmatist. He very much had to be when he took the job. You know, the side leaked uh, that leaked twenty, I think it was twenty eight or twenty nine goals in the eleven games before he showed up. Um, the, you know, the big difference is that. The people who made the difference in the final third for them last season, Sigurdsson and Laurent Clay are obviously not at the club, and they have not been able to. Well, in Sigurdsson's place, uh, instance, they've not replaced him, 
and you know while Abraham is doing well up front he plays completely differently to Lorente you know you're not going to you're not going to just send crosses in for Abraham in the manner he would have for Lorente. Absolutely. So it's more, I would say, it's more about being effective than it is about being pretty. And I think most, you know, we'd all love to see, we all love to see great football. Of course we do. You know, that's why everyone loves to watch Barcelona or, you know, people of an older vintage than myself would have enjoyed watching the Ajax and Holland teams in the 70s. But not every team plays that way. And I think most supporters would accept that sometimes you can win ugly and there's nothing wrong with being effective and winning games. The problem Swansea have got is that at the moment they are not particularly effective as an attacking side. Um, they get quite static when they're moving the ball forward, there's not a lot of tempo in their play and, and those things aren't necessarily about being attractive, it's, it's about being effective and I just think that the, you know, that's the solution they need to find is can they be more effective with the ball because they can't play and be effective in the ways that they were in the second half of last season because the personnel are different. I don't think they're boring. I just think, well, they're poor. And that's, yeah. that's, you know, all right, that's a sweeping generalisation, you know, there's been periods. But when I say that, I mean, there's an example in the game against Man United where um, McBurney holds the ball up really well against Lindeloft. Um ball comes back ball goes passes backwards and that's apparently now uh, a horrendous crime Swansea used to pass the ball back all the time side to side all the time to try and find uh, stretch defences you know um, find the holes find the gaps but they move the ball quickly and that is one of the big things that Swansea aren't doing and when I say poor I mean in terms of the decision making instinctiveness so it's becoming laboured and against United and it's happened repeatedly this season. It's going backwards and it's going at such a pace because one person, you know, the fullback, is taking two touches a couple of seconds before deciding to move it backwards inside again. Um, and then by the time it goes to centre-backs, either there's nothing in front of them, the movement, as Andrew saying, is not there. So it's, it's going long in the hope or it's being, they're being forced into errors because it's taking such a long time you can even go back to the goalkeeper and, and it's just hoofed long and poor old McBurney or whoever the striker is must be thinking well why did I just waste my time doing that Swansea could get not get away but Swansea's strength and passed the ball backwards before was because all it did is reset and have another go and, and allow them to try different avenues of attack that isn't happening and that's where you know it's not boring it's just poor execution not enough tempo all the things that would once come naturally to the, the, the inverted commas Swansea way that is where it's all falling down a little bit and you know some of that is I don't, I don't know about the coaching the, the feedback from the coaching that it's been good again under Clement uh, that um, it's been highly impressive and but it, it does bear questions it, I think some of it would be confidence because they are going, as we say, that hand and mouth week to week, must win games in October. Um, harsh realities of the Premier League, etc. Um, there's an anxiety and, and impatience from the crowd, which is, you know, understandable because it's it's feeling like a perennial battle for survival the last two two and a half seasons, you could say. Um, which then adds to the nervousness on the ball and those indecisions and, and the safety, you know. 
Neil Taylor used to get a lot of stick because very often his first instinct was to pass the ball back inside to Ashley Williams. At the very least, the scheme was done quickly, you know, because it's not at the moment. The ball's still going the same place, but it's going, you know, with a couple of touches and allowing other teams to set up more. So, um, is it boring? I wouldn't say it's boring because you, <laughs> there's, a, there's a nervousness that at least makes it exciting. Um, I think that is the, the problem more than anything. Is that as Andrew pointed out, it's not it's not anything at the moment. It's not an effective, a cautious setup, organised setup, and it's not um, it's not stylistically pleasing uh, defeats. It's, it's it's the worst of everything at the moment. Um, I don't know. I must have woke up on the wrong side of the bed today because I do think there's you know it's. It's not all doom and gloom. I think there are hopes. I think, you know, the very fact, I think there was hints that Clement was sort of getting, and talked about it, about getting Swansea's identity back towards the end of last season. They played some good football. But they're, they're under pressure already, and I think it's affecting them. And, and, you know, Brighton, for that matter, will be absolutely huge, you know, if nothing else, because we've got a two-week international break afterwards where, um, you know, defeat will bring all manner of criticisms and, and leave them lingering in the air. Yeah, well, you mentioned Brighton there. There's Burnley and Bournemouth to follow after that. I mean, that's obviously a, an opportunity perhaps to get some, some points on the ball. But starting, obviously, this weekend against against the Seagulls, do you, do you, manage, do you envisage them setting up similarly like they did at the Emirates or do you think they'll perhaps revert to a a four at the back rather than a five <laughs> at, the, at the moment I would say it is imp- it's impossible to know I think that that's a reflection on the sort of seasons ones you're having and that's, a, that's uh, an issue isn't it that's a problem you know I think you know for example if, if Martin Olsen's not fit for this weekend could you play four at the back and have Sam Cooper play as the left back given you know the experience he had coming on at West Ham in that position. I'm not sure. So does that mean then you have to play the wing-backs? But then, you know, Paul Clayman might in the back of his mind of the first half of that Watford game, uh, I think it was last month, where he played that system at home and whether it was a subconscious thing with his players, but they they played like they were the away side. You know, they, they sat off Watford and just handed over the initiative in that game and you know and it, and it proved very costly for them so you know he's he's got a very big decision to make on that score th- this weekend and you know I mean that's what that's what he's that's what he's getting paid for that's why that's why he's in charge of a Premier League club you know it's very difficult to to actually predict what he will do I mean I the big the big thing you look at the table now you touched you said about Leicester earlier Matt I think the big frustration is that Swansea didn't need to be hugely better in some of their home games to have got results and you look at what two wins would do for Swansea in that table right now Yeah. and you know we're probably not having conversations about are they boring about the manager's long term future or anything else you know it's yeah it goes back to the point I made about you know fine fine margins isn't it you know but they are but they're now you know they're in a bit of a hole and as we've said a couple of times during this podcast, you know they are they are just going week to week, and it is it's very difficult at the moment for them to put any long term plans in place for how they want to play and how they want to set that because they they're already in a situation where they're needing results. 
Which well, that's it. You see, you ask a question. Uh, Swansea suddenly could press a button and they played like they did in the Martins, like they did in the Rogers, like they did for a time in the Low Club. Um, but they lose on Saturday. Would people accept it? I'm not sure they would. I, I think that's the position they're in. You know, because games were lost in the Martins quite often. Games were lost in the Brendan quite often because Swansea was very stubborn in some ways. Say, well, this is the way we're playing. We don't care who we're playing against. This is how we're going to set up. This is how we're going to pass the ball and attack. And if we lose, then we'll take it on the chin because we believe we win more games than we lose. We believe this is the right way forward. It would be lovely for Swansea to have that much of an identity again in terms of the way they play. We go back to that. But, you know, has it come to a point now where people would accept those defeats? And if it wasn't working in the short term, I'm not sure they were, and, and certainly not in the position Swansea are now. Um, because we, you know, pe- people like us would be hammering for it. Um, that, that's, that's the sort of almost depressing thing, isn't it? Is that they've just they've got to slug themselves out of this, find a way, and find a consistency, and then start looking to, to move forward. Unfortunately, many of us thought that that would come this season after sort of grinding out a lot of the end of last year. But it hasn't, and, and it's deja vu, uh, and it's exhausting. It's exhausting to watch. It's why fans are getting frustrated. I'm sure it's exhausting for Paul Clement and the players. They've been under pressure constantly, but that is where they are. And so, in terms of setting up, I, I don't know. I, the, the onus is on them. Brighton have uh, got a savvy manager in Chris Hooton. They've got a very good coach in Paul Trollope. They have their way of playing. They've had some pretty good results. They've already felt better than I expected and that wasn't, uh, you know, it was from watching them last year, not just to sort of, oh, they're the new boys type of thing. Um, I wondered whether they would have enough up front, ironically enough. Um, but I think they'll be very difficult and I think that Swansea will have to be at their best um, to, to, to move forward and, and hopefully they're at their best by playing a way that doesn't have to be swashbuckling or, or swans alone or of old, but at least points to a way forward that, right, perhaps we can stick with this, perhaps we can move forward and be at home or away uh, um, and get some understanding and partnerships and confidence and those inside those instinctive classes and movements come back. Uh, I'd also like to win the lottery on Saturday, so <laughs> if all can come true, that would be fantastic. Decent place to stop that, I think. Um, we're sounding more and more miserable by the week, aren't we? <laughs> Just to turn into my dad, I think. Yeah. Right, um, anything else, chaps? No? No, uh, no I don't think so. Um, I'm just sort of looking forward in the hope that Swansea can tell us that they've turned a corner and, you know, I don't know whether Renato Sanchez will be fit, but I'm, I'm surely hoping that he can start delivering on some of the promise that was there and and because you know the excitement anticipation of that before kickoff against Newcastle seems a long way way away uh, at the moment um, it does still seem to be a unity in that side though um, you know people compared to start inevitably when bad runs happen will start compared to previous managers and how long they were given and, and was it better or was it not Everything I, I 
been led to believe is that, and, and sort of got the sense of, is that the, the camp and the setup and the training and the preparation is all far, far improved. And, you know, normally when that happens, the rewards will come. But, um, you know, the onus is on the side and the onus is on Paul Clement to, 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 to make that count, really. And, um, and we can all sort of get on with our lives with a bit more of a spring in our step. Fingers crossed for a bit of better fare this weekend. Um, okay, um, thanks for listening, everybody. Um, you can get all your latest um, Swans news on Wales Online at Twitter at uh, Swansea City Live and Facebook Swansea City Wales Online. And um, we'll speak to you all next week. Cheers.